Welcome to PSQH the podcast. I'm your host Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of PSQH. In this episode, I talk to Steve Zimmerman, director of healthcare services for Service Master Clean, about the important role that environmental services plays in healthcare facilities. This episode is sponsored by Service Master Clean. And now, on to the interview. This is Jay Kumar, editor-in-chief of PSQH, and I'm joined today by Steve Zimmerman, director of healthcare services for Service Master Clean. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Jay. Great to be here. Great to have you. And we're going to talk about uh, environmental services and sort of, you know, obviously the different challenges you're facing, especially given uh, the fact that we're in a pandemic. And, you know, obviously uh, EBS is a big part of uh, helping uh, healthcare facilities succeed uh, and, and get through this. So uh, welcome. And um, tell us a little bit about what you do for ServiceMaster. So I support uh, a nation, nationally ServiceMaster cleans teams that that work in a lot of outpatient facilities, some hospitals, um, ambulatory surgery centers, and it's it's primarily a franchise-based system. We do have company-owned locations as well. So I support our teams in their training, um, their processes, their certifications to make sure that the, our frontline staff are um, ready, willing, and able to take care of all of their medical customer needs. Great. And Let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are the factors that make uh, EVS essential to healthcare facility success? So there's a many, many factors, Jay. Um, first and foremost, typically in, in really any medical facility, EVS is the, the second largest department of a hospital or the second largest number of people that are working in that facility to, to typically nursing. Um, and they're the group, they, they actually, I'm going to use the word touch, they don't physically touch the patient, but they go into every patient room every single day, every occupied patient room, every discharge clean. Um, and, and a lot of times uh, they're, they're doing that multiple times per day where they, where they may empty um, trash linen one time, clean the room another, or have to be called back into a room. So they are um, throughout the entire facility, all the common areas, all the ancillary areas, and in every single patient room every day as the, the second largest department in the hospital. Um, and they're, they're really, uh, I think another key factor for them is that they're the front line of infection prevention, especially when it comes to you know, those non-critical, the, the surfaces that could be touched that need disinfection within the room. Um, you know, our clinical staff are all trained in hand hygiene and wearing the right PPE, but if, if they make a mistake and touch something and then touch the patient, um, EVS is their defense system to protect them, um, making sure that that transmission of infection doesn't occur. And, you know, how I guess, obviously, infection prevention is a topic that is on, you know, everybody's minds this last, you know, basically this last year, um, you know, as, as we've been dealing with COVID-19. How has uh, EVS, uh, you know, sort of had to deal with, obviously, this huge, you know, uh, situation in, in all of our facilities? So the pandemic has has influenced all of our departments within medical facilities. There's a there's challenges to nursing staff. There's there's also challenges to EVS staff. There's some fear in having to go into COVID patient rooms. Um, there's training that needs to occur. There can be PPE shortages um, as to, to what's given to those EBS personnel or, or clinical personnel for that matter. Um, and so the staff needs to be trained on how COVID um, is transferred, um, how, how that infection spreads, 
needs to be trained on what they need to do to protect themselves. And then they need to be trained on what products they're using, what disinfectants they're using, EPA registered, healthcare grade, um, aware of the contact time with those disinfectants. So they really need to be armed with the right tools and resources. And I think some of the learnings in the middle of the pandemic were tied to there being shortages of PPE, um, shortages of some of the logistics or just supply chain being inhibited because they were struggling with personnel tied to EVS shortages in staff, um, people being out with COVID or potentially having it, and then um, some of the contact tracing that might occur there and, and having that staff be trained up, ready, willing, and able to go into all those COVID patient rooms um, as an influx of patients came into different hospital systems to the point where um, we've worked with a lot of the the facilities that were set up in hotels or other other buildings for the overflow of COVID patients throughout the country. Um, and how long did it take to really get a handle on, you know, obviously, you know, you mentioned supply chain issues and, and sort of, you know, learning exactly what you were dealing with. How long did it take before you know, you could really sort of say that you had at least a, you know, I don't say, want to say necessarily under control, but at least, you know, have it to the point where you, you know, you kind of knew what to expect and, and you could, you know, do your jobs safely. That's a great question, Jay. Um, you know, we the, the, we overdid PPE in the beginning to make sure that, that we were able to handle our jobs safely. Um, I think we're still learning every day that's that's the thing with this pandemic um, new information's coming out cdc's updating reports um, doctors are learning more about how to how they can treat or potentially could treat um, this infection how it spreads how it's mutating um, so it's just an ever-changing infection that uh, a virus that that you need to stay on top of and there could be new information that comes out tomorrow that changes things so it, i don't know that we have full control of it um, but to answer your direct question in the beginning, when the, when the pandemic started to happen, um, you know, it took, we, we had a supply on hand, started to hear things, made sure that we increased all of our PAR levels so that our staff would have what they needed. I know medical staff, hospitals, et cetera, had, did the same thing. Um, and, and there for a few months, it was, it was really challenged, whether that was some of the plastics we were using or even microfiber wipes, disposables, because they're tied to paper products and there were shortages on toilet paper. Um, and it just a lot of the things that we get coming from China, there were challenges there from February through May. Um, a lot of those challenges seem to have subsided since then, June on, and we haven't had challenges really with supply chain. That little things would flare up at times. But as to knowing the infection and how it spreads, um, we, we continue to learn more and more uh, about, I mean, we obviously know that it's it's spread through respiratory droplets and close contact within six feet um, is, is probably the number one way, but they're still finding out contact with surfaces or can be transferred um, airborne as well. Um, so so as we learn more, that, that changes things, um, but we still protect against all the, uh, the, the ways that in, this virus can be uh, transferred or cross-contaminated. How has the pandemic sort of changed the way EVS approaches, you know, cleaning a room? Uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned all the sort of specific, um, you know, uh, details about the coronavirus, but, um, you know, has, it, has there been a fundamental difference in sort of how you 
go into rooms now and will, and will that kind of remain the case going forward, you know, just given that you never know, you know, what's coming down the road? Yeah, so that, I think the the biggest change, and, and quite honestly, our staff was trained in the spread of infection, their spread and how viruses spread, bacteria, different forms, whether the, the room had a contact airborne um, or droplet precautions. Um, and so in the beginning, multiple of those were placed on COVID type rooms. And, and obviously the EVS staff wanted to wear PPE at a higher level just to protect themselves as well, especially prior to the vaccine. Um, discharge cleans, which, which didn't always look like a full terminal clean where you're hitting Everett's surface, they started to take more time as patients would transfer out and new ones would come in. Um, paying better attention to negative air pressure rooms, um, that was a big factor tied to COVID and, and the lack of those rooms being within medical facilities. Um, the stress of having to turn rooms over very quickly and the communication that takes place between the EBS team and the clinical staff to make sure that uh, we're setting up for a new patient coming in who's been waiting in the ED for you know hours and potentially days to, to get into this room so that they can get the better care that they need to receive. Um, it really just heightened the awareness, I believe, of all the clinical staff the importance of what EBS can do and, and how they could communicate better to, to promote better patient safety and care. Um, and I think also just elevated infection prevention awareness in what EBS does in the base case. Um, I certainly experienced that. We, we take care of not only medical facilities, but we also take care of office spaces um, and, and, you know, manufacturing or industrial or logistics supply warehouses. And all of those customers wanted the expertise of healthcare and mm. at healthcare level disinfection. So that so the PPE transferred to those spaces, which increased the awareness of that customer, increased the, the um, cleanliness of, of what the EBS staff is doing. You're basically taking the, the hospital grade or the healthcare cleaning training and, and putting it into really all other essential business that was open in the United States. Um, that doesn't tie in directly to hospitals, but uh, I think just overall awareness of the patients, overall awareness of everyone is heightened during the pandemic. Um, and so for the EBS staff, it just elevated the importance of what they do and, and why they do what they do um, and, and really gave them a sense of motivation that they, they were critical to the success of that medical facility. And that needs to continue moving forward. Um, and And I imagine that, you know, you guys are, already probably doing a pretty thorough job just you know during flu season you've got to worry about you know um you know those germs and obviously there have been other uh you know viruses in the past you know uh mers and sars and and uh even like you know the occasional like ebola case that would you know, get into the us but you know this is a fundamental change just in terms of um you know how far reaching it is i imagine right yeah every Every facility and everywhere, you know, testing of EBS staff. So even, you know, we could we could look at that Ebola scare, which which didn't spread that quickly, but obviously the virus was very um, very. Uh, the mortality rate was incredibly high with right. that virus. Yeah. Um, didn't spread as quickly, but you were prepared for it. In, in that instance, you know, EBS staff weren't getting tested regularly. You know, they weren't having to get swabbed and tested to, mm -hmm. to have a negative, and there wasn't contract contract contact tracing 
Um, they weren't, there's, there's vast differences. The staff now is, is getting tested regularly. They're, they're having to pay better attention to their PPE. It influences the entire facility. You know, a lot of those other viruses, there might be one floor of the hospital or a portion of the facility that was dedicated to them, but there's multiple floors and high percentages of the facility that are tied to this. And patients aren't wanting to come into medical facilities for any other purpose other than COVID um, for fear of infection. And uh, so it's, it's just heightened their awareness really across the board. Um, and how much concern do you have about that new variant um, of COVID that started, you know, I guess started in, in Europe and is now kind of making its way over here? Um, is that kind of, cause it's supposedly even more contagious than sort of the, you know, initial uh, COVID-19 strain are there, you know, any, is there anything you can do differently or is it just sort of, you know, remain vigilant and, and do what you're doing right now? Yeah, as, as we train our staff, if, if they're wearing the right PPE and they're following the right protocol around hand hygiene, um, wearing of their gloves, uh, wearing the right facial protection, you know, respirators, um, and obviously gowning up and, and switching those out at the right frequency. As we train them, if, if they're following the right protocol, they should uh, be safe really from, from, from either one of the strains, but there is a very high level of concern or, or fear for um, a mutation of the virus or a new variant that uh, you know the, the previous virus spread very quickly. Um, and it was very contagious. And so if there's a there's a new form that's spreading, you know, even more contagious. Um, it, luckily, usually when there's a mutation or a variant, that that form of infection isn't uh, doesn't make people as sick. But uh, it's it's a it's a high concern. Just when we think we've wrapped our head around what we're what we're dealing with, um, the virus mutates and changes. And so then there's there's just a lot of unknown and and a, a new learning curve. Um, the PPE and and those those pieces, uh, the cleanliness, it's the same disinfectants, it's the same PPE. Um, so that doesn't change for the EBS staff, but there's there's obviously a high level of fear or concern tied to um, anything that can mutate and mutate that quickly. Um, is there going to be a third form that comes out six months from now? You know, um, people start to wonder. So um, just as we learn more, getting that awareness out, communicating, um, making sure we're working closely with infection prevention. With the, with the clinical teams um, is essential to keeping our teams safe and patients safe and medical staff safe. Um, what's been sort of the, uh, sort of the emotional uh, side of it for EVS workers who are dealing with this? I mean, you know, we've, I've seen a lot about other, you know, healthcare workers, uh, health, you know, care providers who, you know, are dealing with a lot of stress and fear over, you know, whether they'll catch it, whether they'll spread it to, you know, uh, family members or, you know, what, you know, what, how have you guys sort of dealt with that issue, um, you know, with your, with your workers? Yeah, there's, there's obviously a, a high emotional toll um, on the EBS staff for, you know, the, not only the, the fear of potentially contracting the infection themselves, but the, the fear of potentially not knowing it and spreading it before. Right. And so that an empathy for others trying to take care of themselves and others, it, it's a service business, it's a service orientation, pretty much all staff members have service at their heart. And so they're, they're caring for others. Um, and so there's, there's a fear there. 
Um, there's a, you know, that they obviously don't want to harm or hurt others. Um, and so, you know, as they're dealing with that EBS leadership, um, we need to make sure that we're listening. Um, we have ears to hear, um, being really empathetic with staff, making sure they have what they need to be safe, to feel safe, um, and to be known, like it's okay for you to bring up whatever. And so um, there should be regular EBS rounds where we're, we're hearing one-on-one -on -one with a lead supervisor, manager, EBS director, where we're going to our staff and just, I, I, you know, how are you doing? And, and, and listen to where they are that day and other times and obviously open door policies with the EBS staff. Um, good connection and communication with the, the clinical directors of the departments they work in, um, where they feel safe to be able to share what's going on with them. Um, I think there's an emotional toll on all of us with the isolation in a pandemic and, and the lack of human interaction. They obviously have that at work, but when they go home, um, you know, with restaurants being closed or some of the quarantine requirements, um, there's, there's an emotional toll that happens there of, of not yeah. being around people. Um, and so, you know, mental health can become a factor um, and making sure that there's EAP or, or counseling available to teams and staff members um, is a big part of that as well. So. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a tough time for everybody, but I mean, I think especially for, you know, folks like EBS, you know, really right there on the front lines, you know, uh, you know, right in the middle of it all uh, must be especially difficult. Um, Wanted to ask you a little bit more, uh, sort of in general terms about about EBS. Um, what's the prevailing attitude of, of healthcare management towards EBS today? Yeah, I think you know, it, it, it all depends on the facility. Um, we have certain customers, and I've been a part of a lot of medical facilities where the EBS is valued for who they are and what they do, being that second largest department, the front line of infection prevention, the the core service that that is is the heartbeat of the hospital um and so they're they're valued for that I, I think the pandemic has really elevated the value of what ebs does i mean if you asked me the same question prior to the pandemic it would have been a higher percentage of facilities that kind of looked at it as a means to an end potentially or um something where they could it's obviously not revenue generating so cost cutting measures can take place there you know we can reduce eight ftes here they can do more we're, we're comparing this with another facility and they're covering X number of patient rooms per staff member. Um, but actually, EBS is, I believe, being, and in my experience, being heard more and valued more during this time. Um, and that happens in, in non-medical facilities as well right now. Um, you know, customers, hospitals are, are wanting to see certifications around disinfection. They're wanting to see the training and the expertise that shows that those staff members know what they're doing in the facility and they're willing to um, elevate and pay those staff members for you know the risk of going into um, and, and putting themselves at risk day in and day out so that that's actually been beneficial for EBS at, during this time um, they, they're really my experience and our experience valued for what they do as the front line um, and going into every patient room have you seen EBS departments adding staff, you know, during this time to, you know, obviously, you know, there's there's kind of additional work, you know, and, and more probably, you know, more hours needed. Um, have, have you, you know, seen that kind of expansion of, uh, of departments going on? 
Yes, and I mean, well, and especially in those overthrow type type facilities, um, any of the the overflow where where patients, if they run out of hospital beds, you know, they need to ramp up and they need to bring in additional people to take care of those. We've also seen uh, just additional time being given to those staff members because if, if you know when you transfer a discharge clean and you change it to a terminal where you're you're wiping essentially everything in the room and you're really making sure you're doing a thorough job that's going to take a little bit more time for the staff member, um, as well as just having to put on uh, the PPE and change it out that you didn't have to previously. Um, so we're seeing you know general increases at a smaller percentage in in hospitals, surgery centers, um, some of the outpatient facilities, certainly in the case of the overflow facilities. And then our team members, you know, would get contracted in a lot of cases um, if if they had team members go down or um, were short-staffed and needed help um, on a case-by-case -case basis. So we, we do see that very regularly as well. Have you seen uh, an increased focus uh, on facilities, you know, post-acute facilities like nursing homes, you know, where it, it seems that, uh, you know, COVID has really hit hard, you know, where you've got residents who, you know, are, are basically, you know, very weak and, um, you know, it can, and it can, you know, we've seen some really horrible instances of uh, of COVID running rampant in, in different facilities. Has that been a focus uh, across the country? Yeah, it's nursing homes, um, and it's really sad. It's well, yeah, one of the tougher spots, and yeah, all the all the pictures and images of uh, people looking at each other through glass. Yeah, um, and and just having you know other issues that that harm immune systems um which can cause the the virus to obviously spread very quickly in those type facilities um yes there's an elevation there's a lot of lobbying going on politically because it's highly tied to medicare medicaid um to make sure that they have what they need both from a ppe and a product perspective as well as training for the, the ebs staff within those facilities um in the facilities that we were already in tied to nursing homes, we're, we're seeing an increased focus. We're seeing um, the value being added there. Um, but, for, but for facilities that we weren't in previously, the nursing homes are very careful uh, allowing, they want as few people coming in the facility, right. facility as possible, even with the right level of training, which I think is the right thing to do. Um, so they're handling that well. They're, you know, the staff that they have are working really, and this happens in hospitals too, working really long hours. Um, working a lot of overtime to try and limit the bodies that are coming in their facilities, um, which I guess that ties back to your taking a toll on the EBS staff emotionally or physically. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been doing it for you know almost a year now. And uh, so it's, it's the right thing to do. You're trying to limit you know potential of infection to come in the facility, but it does um, you know there is a, a toll that it's taken on the workers that are working overtime in those facilities. Um. You know, not that anything really good has come out of this whole pandemic, but do you see like a greater preparedness uh, on the on the part of hospitals and other facilities, you know, for, you know, any potential other, you know, future pandemics or, or other, you know, devastating viruses that come along? Do you feel like, you know, that, you know, when they do, you know, we'll all be better prepared? Yes, I uh, yes, um, that's that's the short answer. I <laughs> I do think hospitals, if there's one thing they're really good at, it's it's learning and growing. And um, you know, most of us have made certain mistakes through this pandemic that we've learned through. 
Um, and we want to be better prepared for the next one that comes. Hospitals are also very good at emergency preparedness. They, they, I'm, all of them had a pandemic plan. Um, they've been through previous scares like you talked about with MERS or SARS or Ebola, um, you know, swine flu, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, and so, but, but part of the challenge is you, you get a new virus and you don't know how it spreads and you don't know how to treat it and you don't know. Um, there's just a lot of unknowns. So I, I think a lot of the learning that came from this um, specific pandemic was around supply chain, making sure that uh, the right amount of PPE was used, what, what's some of the, what's the plan B, what's the plan C, if we can't get the PPE we need. Um, you know, those parts, I think within this pandemic were, were parts that weren't previously addressed. We didn't, we didn't see those with a lot of the other scares where supply chain was inhibited at that level. Um, so I think, I think that we are and have learned a lot through this process that will make us better prepared for the next one. And there's still a lot of unknown with the next one. So, um, and yes. we're still in this one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is mutating and changing and, yeah. um, we've got a vaccine and, where it's uh, it's uh, still a long ways away from from getting out of this. Um, how do you feel this uh, positions EVS and EVS directors in terms of um, you know being involved uh, with high level discussions in, in in facilities, you know, in terms of budgeting, staffing, expansion, etc. Does this set set EVS kind of uh, does this elevate EVS from where it was before? I'd like to think so. Um, I certainly hope so. And I, I put some of that responsibility on the EBS director or the EBS leadership team um, because they can they can make sure that they have a voice heard. They can do the work they need to make sure they know what training and certifications they might need for their team. That's going to cost expense, how they could go to receive that training themselves to be able to take it to their teams, um, what work rates they need to base things off of so that they can actually explain, okay, this is what I need my budget to be, and these are the people I need, and this is my contingency plan tied to that. Um, so thinking broadly themselves, but I think it also sets up administration to have um, a listening ear to involve EVS in those budgeting, staffing. I think expansion's a big one. Um, that's a place where construction's happening in hospitals, outpatient facilities almost 24 seven in a, in a different space and, and really construction is happening, you know, every five to 10 years in most medical facilities. Um, and so involving EBS in those decisions as to, you know, how, you know, what, what's porous, what's non-porous, what's, what's easier to disinfect, what, where would the high touch surfaces be? How do we, um, you know, how do we give EBS a seat at that table? So it's not just an architect or somebody trying to make that facility look as beautiful as possible, which obviously we need to do that as well. Even just like um, even just like layout in terms of, you know, how concentration of patients and staff and, you know, spacing things out a little more, because obviously when things like this happen, you've got people, you know, if they're if they're crammed into like one small area in bottlenecked, then that leads to, you know, big problems. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Layout's important. Um, making sure you have the space and the space that can allow for contingency and. Um, where the ancillary areas should be so that nurses, so that EVS staff, so that uh, rehab or physical therapists aren't having to spend a lot of time walking. They have what they need that they can take care of the patient quickly. Because um, if, if we face it, you know, hospital cost is, their number one cost is labor. 
um, and, and the people. So if there's a way that that facility can be laid out that uh, makes all of their staff more efficient, um, it's it's a big win for the for the whole team. Um, so yeah, involving EBS, infection prevention, nursing, I really think they should have some insights into what's happening on the construction front. And I've got to think that, you know, when budget discussions come up and maybe in the past where they, you know, a facility may have cut um, staff or resources, uh, you've kind of got a good argument for, uh, you know, if not cutting, then maybe adding <laughs> based on the last year and what EVS has meant for, for facilities. Yes, there's the, yeah, and, and they should have a, a better idea of, what they need in order to accomplish the results that they need to accomplish within their facility. Um, so, and, and being able to tie that back to, you know, uh, HCAP scores or patient satisfaction scores, that the cleanliness of the facility overall is a key right. driver for overall scoring. Um, and so, yes, uh, yeah, well said, Jay. <laughs> well, Steve, I want to thank you for joining me today. This was great and uh, good luck as we get through this thing. Absolutely. You as well. Stay safe and healthy. And uh, you know, I'd like to just thank, you know, getting off of here, all of our EBS teams um, for what they do, uh, being that front line and putting themselves at risk every day um, in medical facilities and outside of medical facilities are really all essential business. So thank you all. Absolutely. Thanks. Yep. Take care, Jay. And that wraps up episode 21 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you join me next time. I want to thank Service Master Clean for sponsoring the episode. And you can find more information about the podcast and listen to on-demand episodes on the show's page on psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show through SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.